0: coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: A very special edition of the show today coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, the site of the current This Old House project. The cast and crew of this groundbreaking television program have been renovating homes while you've watched for three decades.
1: And lucky us because today they are all here with us and they are going to share their tips, their tricks, their secrets, and their stories.
0: Our next guest must have been in carpentry heaven on this project. Norm Abram is the master carpenter and longest cast member of this old house. That's quite an honor, and it's an honor for us to have you here today. Hi, Norm. Hi, Tom and Leslie. Hi. Good to see you again. So this was a really fun project. God, the woodwork in this house is amazing. You must have been like a kid in a candy store.
2: Well, that's really what uh, attracted me, certainly, to this project, and to walk into a house that is over 100 years old and had been cut up into you know, a rooming house, eight or nine units, and see some of this woodwork still intact. uh, You know, I just said, we got to do this project.
1: Now, you're dealing with so much woodwork. What did you do in an instance where things weren't in the greatest of conditions or perhaps not even reusable?
2: Well, I think the first thing you look at is, you you know, you take an inventory of what's here and say, what can we do with this? Um, Yeah, there are pieces missing. Uh, There are pretty simple solutions to that. Uh, Mike did a lot of, Mike Stream, our contractor, did a lot of that. He went back to his shop and fabricated little pieces to fill in. And then you take someone like John Thomas, the wood refinisher, and he blends it. And who knows that that piece was replaced, you know, 100 years after it originally went in. So you take the good piece, you say, what can be saved? What can't be saved? How do we handle it? And I think the first thing they did was remove everything, evaluate it, set it aside. And then as the job progressed, we start to repurpose it.
1: And that's the example with the fretwork that's now a main feature in the living area. I mean, is it worth it in that situation to move it the five feet and do the restoration for it?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, that piece was the most interesting piece of all in the house. I think that those very delicate spindles and everything that was in the fretwork, that it was still intact Mm -hmm. after all this time. I mean, you can imagine being a rooming house that Things can probably get pretty rowdy in a place like this. You know, when you when you have carpenters that are skilled, like the guys on Mike's crew, it's pretty easy to understand how it went together. It's a reverse process. You take it apart. The last thing that went on is the first thing that comes off. You can slide it out of place, protect it for a while, and move it. And the move did two things. It, it preserved that piece, number one. But secondly, it created and a better living area for the living room. It, it made it more symmetrical, and I think it, it fits perfectly where it is. You, you might not, people would come into that house now and think it was always there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I noticed that uh,
0: some of the balusters were actually missing. Did you have to uh, make some to look like they've been here
2: for over 100 years? Uh, we, we were very lucky in that uh, point because we went to a stair building company, brought them a couple balusters, and uh, they showed us two completely different methods of uh, re- replicating something like that. One is duplicating it with very high-tech CNC machine, and uh, that was used on most of the spindles that we had to replace. Mm-hmm. There were about 50 pieces in total. And then uh, we had these little tiny spindles near the front door, which were totally missing. And thanks to Mike Streamen, who went knocking on doors. I mean, this is how you find the pieces. You, you, you actually went, have to go door-to-door to, door to <laughs> find help. He went door-to-door door and uh, finally found a house that had an entry very similar to ours, talked to the owner and said, gee, I notice you're missing a few spindles here. If I can take one, I'll get some made for you because I really need something to copy. So, so there was some sort of neighborly negotiation that went on. Yeah, good old-fashioned bartering, you know. And uh, so he brought that to the same company. And they were very delicate pieces. So part of it could be done with the CNC. Mm-hmm. But the ends had to be done with hand tools because uh, the pieces were too delicate to Uh, a computer-controlled machine might have broken the pieces after they had already done half the work.
0: We're talking to Norm Abram. He's the master carpenter on this old house. And, Norm, uh, green home building, green building, green construction, being environmentally responsible, very hot today. Um, I thought it was interesting that you guys, uh, in much the same way as you explained with the balusters, have done a fair amount of reuse of material and sort of
2: exchange of material. Tell me the story about the doors. Well, you know, uh, you know, we've been doing green things for a long time on this old house. And one of the easiest things to do, to be green, is to repurpose existing materials. And here it was, it was a no-brainer. I mean, there were two doors in particular that uh, were right where the kitchen cabinets sit now, the main portion of the kitchen where the, uh, the stove and the cooktop is located. And uh, they were for closets. And with the reconfiguration of that space, we created a powder room and another closet, sized the openings to match those doors, and simply moved them to another location. Uh, they did need some work in, in terms of refinishing, but that's what green is all about. Don't throw it in the dumpster. Find another place to use it. And if you can't find a place to use it, uh, certainly hold on to it, because somebody else might be able to use it.
0: Well, you could certainly, in a, in a spot like this, knock on a few doors and see if you could Give it to your neighbor
2: Sure Well You know We we did do some doors Up on the second floor In the bathroom And uh I don't know if you might just give it to them. I mean, I heard we were paying for doors that were found in dumpsters, so uh, there's a little trading to be done, that's for sure.
1: So much of the historical details of this home were preserved and restored. Is that generally the homeowner's request to keep things intact, or or are you all sort of in a collaborative effort saying, hey, let's use this, let's restore this and keep it the way it
2: is? Um, Sometimes it, it is a collaborative effort. I mean, sometimes people want to completely change the space, but we were very fortunate on this project and the homeowners from day one were intent on reusing and preserving as much of this woodwork as possible so we didn't have to work very hard to convince them that that's what they should be doing so it made our job a lot easier but certainly in other projects we've done we would try to encourage them to reuse those materials if we could
0: well the house is absolutely amazing norm how many years has it been now in this old house well coming up on 30 wow Wow. (laughs) wow you get the gold watch Uh,
2: Well, I don't know. I'll wait. We'll wait until we get to 50. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Norm, always good to see you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks, Tom and Leslie. Our pleasure.
1: You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Now we're seeing the finished product here, but you can watch the progress of This Old House on your local PBS station. So make sure you check thisoldhouse.com for your local listings.
0: And still to come this hour, design tips for old houses. Plus, we're going to talk to the This Old House general contractor, Tom Silva. That's all coming up Next, Money Pit. I'm Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House. An old house means plenty of busy weekends maintaining it. Not sure where to start? Pick up the phone and call Tom and Leslie right now at 1 888 Money Pit making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: A very special treat for us and for our listeners today. We are focusing on old houses and getting expert advice from the old house pros, the cast of This Old House. Now, no doubt you've seen an episode or two over the years because it's the longest running home improvement makeover show on television.
1: And we are in the Brooklyn brownstone that has been completely renovated this season, and the result is stunning. But, you know, there had to be some issues which are typical to old houses that needed to be addressed along the way. And if you are the lucky owner of an old house, you know there are the things like structural issues, electrical issues, plumbing, heating. It really runs the gamut. So if you are an old house owner, we want to hear from you. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
0: Well, there's uh, one member of the This Old House team that they left behind up in Boston to sort of hold down the fort. He's joining us now by phone. It's Tom Silva, the general contractor on the This Old House team. You've been doing this for like two decades, but this particular project in particular was a major undertaking, wasn't it?
4: Well, you know what? You never really realize what you're going to get involved with when you're looking at a, proje- at a project like this. But I've been doing it long enough that I knew that this was a major undertaking, and uh, There's a lot of work involved. When you start opening up these buildings, you know, you've got all kinds of surprises and uh, you're hoping for one thing and you get another and you've got to deal with that situation at the moment.
0: Now, as you tore open these walls, uh, what were some of the surprises uh, that you discovered lying just underneath this beautiful skin?
4: Well, you uh, you saw some of the plaster work that definitely had to be repaired and restructured, basically, because it was uh, loose in some cases, uh, and the detail of the plaster moldings had to be repaired when when some of the demo work gets involved, uh, it gets going along the way. Uh, we uncovered the, that, that beautiful uh, fretwork that was removed and relocated, and it's been there since the original part of the house, but there was a gentle... A gentle act of love to basically move it, uh, remove it, position it temporarily in another location, and then put it uh, where it is today. Uh, that was uh, that was tricky. The other thing is, is when we start removing the old floors, hoping to find the old original wood floors, hoping that they're in good shape. Unfortunately, some of them were not in good shape, and we had to skin over them with a veneer of... Uh, floor about three-eighths of an inch tongue and groove flooring uh, and it was uh, uh, you know a way to, to dress up the floor without picking up the level too high and it was a beautiful border job going around the around the perimeter. It's a lot of work, and it's something that, you know, you're hoping that you can sand and finish, but you've got to install a new floor instead.
1: Tom, a lot of this work that you're mentioning, I mean, all of it came out so beautifully, but I imagine the process is heavily detail-oriented and needs specialized and very experienced workers, and everybody sang the praises of the general contractor, Michael Streaman for the project. How was it working with him, and how was the process finding him and sort of leading him to this project?
4: Well, Michael is a class act. He's been doing this kind of stuff for a long time. And when you're doing a renovation or a restoration projects that we do, you need a contractor that knows what they're doing because there's a lot of tricks of the trade that you learn over time. And you want someone that really cares what he's doing and puts his heart and soul into it. And Michael was our guy, and he did a great job. When you have a job like that and you're trying to find a contractor, you want to look for someone that specializes in that type of work. I mean, if you're going to build a new house, you look for somebody that specializes in building new houses. If you want to renovate a house, then you look for somebody that specializes in renovations. It's a, it's a trick. It's a talent, and you've got to find the right guy. We were fortunate enough to find Michael, by the neighbor found him. Actually, uh, Michael was talking to a neighbor that had had Mike do some work for him, a similar project on his own uh, brownstone, and uh, he said that he was thrilled with his work. He did a great job, a very nice guy, uh, did everything he said he was going to do, shows up when he says he's going to show up, and it was a very similar project to what uh, the homeowners.
0: Sounds like a lot of things in Brooklyn get uh, done by talking to the neighbors. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Tom, how about if we uh, give our callers a chance to ask a question? Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Let's go with it. All right. If you've got an old house, pick up the phone give us a call right now at one 888 Pit 888-666-3974. Look at that. Callers already lighten up the lines. Leslie, who's first?
1: All right. We've got Sherry in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey, who's got a question about a porch. Sherry, welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a uh, house that I'm looking to buy. It's, it looks like it's about 100 years old, and from what we hear uh, from the realtor, about a 100-year-old house, it's got a beautiful front porch, and we don't see that on the newer houses that you know, are around, but it's sagging in the front. Is this a major structural problem?
4: Well, a sagging front porch is usually a, a sign that there is some structural uh, problems. It could be a footing problem underneath the porch usually starts with maybe a rotting post or a rotting footing or an insufficient footing. Uh, So you may have to do some excavation, looking around to find out if that is a problem. Uh, Also, you may want to look between the two supports to see if there's any rot or anything like that. It's really, uh, you've got to open up or climb underneath and see what you can see that looks damaged and look for signs of rot.
0: Now, Tom, uh, with a rotted front porch, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, that the interior structure is affected, does it? Isn't it typically just uh, the other side of the foundation we have to worry about, the exterior side?
4: It's usually the exterior side, unless there's some type of a problem with the water leaking at the roof connection against the sidewall. It could be going in there. Uh, but usually, uh, when you have rot, it's usually on the outside uh, or the exterior part of the building, yes.
0: Now, if you need to work on that structure underneath, how do you typically recommend supporting the roof? Because obviously, I guess you have to sort of build up some sort of uh, a bracing to carry that load.
4: Yep. You want to build uh, uh, basically depending on dimensions of the porch and all that. But You, you can usually uh, take a couple of 2x8s or 2x6s and nail them together and, and make a diagonal support from up underneath the header beam and... Push it uh, on it so it's like an angle. It's like Pythagoras' mm-hmm. right triangle. The outside leg okay. of the triangle is the support, and that allows you the clear span underneath to do the work that you need to work on.
1: And just the sheer pressure of the roof against that angled support, you don't need to do anything to that base of that support leg into the ground itself.
4: Well, that base of the leg—I mean, we can—I could can get into it a lot. You have to put a <laughs> platform down, like a like a couple of two by twelves. I like to I like to make up a. Another support of two by twelves and make like a ramp that you can or a rail that you can bang your uh, diagonal support into, and that creates a footing. And you drive that in, and if you drive that in, that actually pushes the porch up at the same time. Perfect. Once you've got the support and the and the and the weight on the uh, legs, then you can work away.
0: We're talking to Tom Silva, the general contractor on This Old House, joining us from the This Old House HQ in Boston. Tom, sorry you're not going to make the party later today. We're, we're going to miss you, pal. Uh,
4: I miss the party, but let me tell you, I, I always miss a party. <laughs> Seems like they always have it at the wrong time.
1: Well, we will make sure that we have a toast to you and all of the fantastic work that you've done on this Brooklyn House project. Now, everybody keeps talking about this wrought iron staircase, and it is truly a fabulous and fantastic feature. And we know the homeowners sort of almost bought it on a whim, and it needed a lot of extra work. How much did that impact the project itself?
4: Well, it's funny because the homeowners actually bought this online before they even owned the house knowing that someday they were going to buy a place like they have and hoping that they could use it. And uh, it's a lot of work to retrofit something that doesn't fit exactly right. And when you're dealing with old buildings and old used material, you have to modify them somewhat. So we then uh, had to basically uh, make the old piece fit the old house. And uh, what what, one thing about a staircase is the riser height has to be equal all the way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's right. You know, invariably, if I'm walking up or down a stair and I feel like I'm going to trip, it's always because something is wrong with the riser. Whenever you have an uneven stair, it really sort of messes up the, uh, the, what you're used to lifting your oh, leg. Oh, absolutely. We're talking to Tom Silva, the general contractor from This Old House, and we are here in Brooklyn, New York at the final day of filming for the beautiful brownstone that they are completing during uh, this season. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that have really old homes that need to do some plaster patching. You know, pretty much all of us know about how to go to our hardware stores or home centers and pick up a bucket of spackle, but that's not necessarily the right material to use when it comes to plaster. How do you get the right mix?
4: Well, you've got to really know what you're doing uh, when, you, when you're mixing up plaster. Lots of times if you're plasting it with uh, the old Hoss plasters, plaster, it's, it's a sand and a lime mix, and uh, the hair and all the content that go into it, it's a specialty, and it really is an art. Uh, and then repairing these walls and bringing them back to the, pra- the plaster lath, fastening them back on, there's a, there's a trick to doing that also. Uh, there's a company that we used, I actually did it on one of our projects, where we actually drilled holes uh, into the old plaster and injected this liquid, which was a glue that's, that went in behind the plaster, literally, literally in behind the plaster in front of the lath, And then you take these big plastic rings, screw them to the lad that pulls the plaster back to the wall. You wait 24 hours, unscrew them, and your wall is back tight to the lad.
0: So that's a way to use new technology to repair some really old walls. Tom Silva, general contractor on This Old House, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. My pleasure. Well, you know, if there's one thing that old houses have in common, Leslie, it's personality. You know, the squeaks, the creaks. The doors that mysteriously open, it could be a restless spirit, but it's more likely that it's just some settling and some wear and some tear.
1: Up next, we're going to help you figure out how to quiet those things that go bump in the night. Eight, 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 money.
5: Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Thermatrue doors are Energy Star qualified and provide up to five times the insulation of a wood door. To learn more, visit thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and
1: Leslie.
0: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: Well, from this old house to your old house, if you've got one, you know they can be pretty noisy. From floor squeaks to door creaks, you've heard it all.
1: Yeah, you know, there are quick fixes to these two common old house noises, the first being squeaky floors, which are often caused by boards just rubbing together, or even by a loose nail moving up and down. To eliminate the noise, you have to eliminate that movement, and if a floor is carpeted, you can actually remove the carpet and then drive a hardened drywall screw into that noisy board.
0: Absolutely, but if pulling up the carpet is too big a project, then there is a short-term fix that you can do without removing the carpet, and that is that you should locate the floor joist under the carpet, and you can use a stud finder to do that. Then you can actually pound a couple of galvanized finished nails right through the carpet. I know you're saying, oh, my God, I'm going to ruin the carpet. No, you won't, because when you're done, you can pull the carpet up through the head of the nail, brush it with your hand, and it will disappear. How do I know this? Because I did it for years when I was repairing newer homes. I know that it will work in your home
1: yeah and that's a great trick of the trade but you need to remember especially if you have an old house like the one we're in today having a few squeaks seldom means that there's any sort of serious problem it's just another part of the personality of your home or the charm as i like to call it
0: and speaking of personalities the old house that we're in just happens to be the star of the current season of this old house on PBS it's been a six month process but it's done and it looks fantastic
1: yeah and you can catch current episodes on your local PBS station so check out this for the listing information now the producers tell us that viewers really love to see the finishing touches go up in the house things like tile and cabinetry so our next guest was in charge of the icing on the cake so to speak
0: Joining us now is the newest member of the This Old House team, Carol Freehoff, design correspondence. Hi, Carol. Hi. So, how did you get started with these guys?
3: Well, we got started actually um, about six months ago, and um, I've been working with the team. I, I was introduced on the Western, the last project, the Western project, and um, <clears throat> had an opportunity to sort of get in at the uh, the tail end of that project. And since, I've been very, very involved in the Brooklyn project, uh, helping the homeowners select materials, designing the kitchens, and helping them with material selection for the bathrooms and the the rental kitchens as well. So acting as more of a design consultant and then hands-on where needed.
1: For their main kitchen, you've chosen a very soothing sort of greenish gray for the cabinetry and the tiles, and it is absolutely stunning, and I love how you've gone with this sort of soft, calming color, but we have so many listeners to the Money Pit who want to go with color but are afraid and don't really know how to start, so how do you sort of guide someone into the color selection process?
3: Well, color is such a personal decision, but I think what's really important when you're thinking about any area of your house where it's a major investment, i.e. a kitchen or a bath, where cabinetry is being put in, and hopefully it's going to have lasting value You want to think about what colors are going to have the most longevity, not only for your own aesthetic, but if you do plan to resale, color is a really important decision. So if you're choosing painted cabinetry and you want to go beyond a generic white, there are a lot of options because whites, as you know, they're vast vast choices. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why you have to settle for a stark white kitchen.
0: We're talking to Carol Freehoff. She's the design correspondent for This Old House and was intimately involved in the Brooklyn project. Carol, for uh, folks that are thinking about uh, tackling a decorating project, you start with uh, four white walls. You talked about building a palette of color one item at a time. How do you tell people to get started? They get started with a favorite piece of furniture, a favorite fabric, build from that. What's the best way to really get going?
3: Thinking about sources of inspiration, they can come from anywhere. They might come from nature. They might come from your your closet. It's a matter of finding items, and they can be everyday items. They usually have the most meaning that have... Just that re- they resonate on some level with you emotionally, and then it 's an editing process, figuring out what you love about those objects, mm-hmm. and then using that as your source of inspiration.
0: You know New York is a place where uh, a lot of us have very, very small spaces. Any tips for using decor to make a small space look bigger?
3: Yes, I think one of the best things to do is use larger pieces of furniture. That's the trick. Which seems counterintuitive. It does seem counterintuitive. The trick is to make sure that you still can move around the furniture. But if you use too many small items in a room, it tends to make the room feel more cluttered. And also, if you have a small space, usually if you stay with a cohesive color plan, so you might have two predominant colors that you're working with, and then... You know, you can always add jolts of color with accents, whether it's a pillow or fresh vase of flowers. But keeping a more cohesive color plan will also add continuity to the space. And then you can add more visual interest with lots of different textures. You can bring in fabrics that are very different from each other. Like if you've got some linen in a room, add some velvet for contrast. If you've got shiny objects, add some objects that are dull or honed to create a nice array of contrast.
0: So it sounds just like magnets, opposites attract.
3: They really do. They really do. You don't have to stick with one era either when you're selecting furnishings, but it's important to think about, I think, how shapes and proportion work together. And one rule of thumb that seems to work for everybody is only have things in your house that you really love.
0: Well, it's a magnificent project. You've done a phenomenal job. Congratulations. It looks great. And uh, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit.
1: Thank you. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. So you've got to be wondering by now, how do you renovate an entire house and get it all on camera and then turn the entire process into a TV show?
0: Well, we'll get that answer when we interview the director and the producer of This Old House. Next, pick up the telephone,
2: fix up your home sweet home by calling eight 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 Money Pit. Woo! Money
6: Pit. All right, hold the work. No one works in the house. Next calls for picture. Here we go. Picture up, standing by. Speed, give me speed in three. It's all for the Money Pit. Two, one, and excellent.
0: Well, there's certainly a lot of action going on today right here because we are on the set of the current This Old House project in Brooklyn, New York. It's in the beautiful historic Prospect Heights section, rows and rows of gorgeous brownstones. And the one that we're in just got a total makeover and looks incredible. And everyone is just thrilled with the result.
1: Yeah, and why wouldn't they be? I mean, this house is full of original woodwork, gorgeous coved plaster ceilings, and an amazing archway that's made up of the original wood fretwork to this house. Now, the whole entire process was captured on tape, and you can watch it on your local PBS station, so check thisoldhouse.com for more info and to get a look at this beautifully restored home.
0: Well, restoring a historic Brooklyn brownstone is obviously a huge undertaking, putting the entire renovation on television, even a bigger feat.
1: That's right. Joining us now to talk about the behind-the-scenes scoop you always wanted to know, but were terribly afraid to ask. We've got David Voss, the senior producer and director, and we've got producer Deb Hood. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Thanks for having us. Hi. Our pleasure. So while the This Old House team obviously takes on projects of massive span, the whole idea of doing the TV show around it has to complicate things. How do you guys work in your needs with the needs of the production? Well, from my
6: perspective, simply the house is the star. Um, We are guests in people's houses. And um, the best TV that we've been lucky enough to make has been when TV is not part of the process, but the real issues of a homeowner, um, what homeowners are dealing with and how to get this job done um, out of STARS. And that's what Deborah puts together.
1: And yeah, Deb, how do you go about selecting the home? Is it the family and the home sort of in tandem or does one have to sort of speak volumes over the other?
5: It all plays in together. We get thousands of proposals a year from snail mail, email, you know, writing into the message boards on our website. And so um, we only do two a year though. So we, you know, it's a pretty tough um, job. And the first thing is we just like to switch it up from what we do. Uh, year to year. So we keep ourselves interested. We keep our um, viewers interested on uh, the guys that are working on the job. And so it's a kind of a, this, we call it the planets need to align between the right homeowners, a good house, a house that's worth, you know, putting all that effort and attention into. And um, and so it's a it's a combination of things.
0: Now, this was the first time you did this, a project of this scope in New York City. Um, How complicated was that?
5: Um, We put a call out in the New York press um, saying that, you know, we were looking for people renovating in the next six months. We got um, hundreds of proposals from all five boroughs, um, but we heard overwhelmingly from Brooklyn. So, and we discovered that there was this avid community of brownstoners here, these kind of, you know, renovation nuts. And it turned out to be the perfect place for us. And I would say it it was a lot less difficult than I thought it was going to be. We've had no problems with the building department. The neighbors have been great. It's on the whole, it's it's been pretty good.
1: Well, what about any challenges as far as dealing with row houses? You're very much on top of your neighbors and one another. Did you have any instances or issues perhaps with the proximity and closeness of everybody sort of living here?
6: I think actually the opposite, right? I mean, people, yeah. uh, it's because Mike, the real star, if there is a star, and there is, is Michael Stringham, who Mm-hmm. is the general contractor who... Um, Did a phenomenal job. Yeah, here, he's... Amazing. Under any circumstances, uh, it's enviable. Uh, but he's also uh, kind of the ambassador of great building throughout Brooklyn, and he has these stories always about building a fence for a neighbor, um, helping this neighbor out, keeping it quiet for this neighbor, and there's that wonderful story. We've got these spindles that you might see on the stairs, and there were no spindles when we were here. It was just all void. And he... <laughs> Went looking for a cup of sugar. He went next door, knocked on someone's door, and said, "Do you have any spindles?" Turns out they had beautiful spindles, and I think they needed a couple. Yeah. So he took a spindle or three, and uh, off we went to um, a shop where they turned them and fabricated them. So,
5: yeah, neighbor relations are what—that's what he's really good at. He's been renovating brownstones here for 20 yeah. years, so he knows how to keep everybody happy.
1: Mm-hmm. And dealing with shared walls, you have to.
5: Exactly. Yeah. You're in some cases you're four inches away from the neighbor, so.
0: Now, when you're doing any major remodeling projects, uh, scheduling is obviously very important. When you're doing television, it's even more important. Explain to our listeners, how do you break up the project so that both needs can be addressed?
5: We've been doing it long enough where we sort of know, you know, if this renovation's over the course of five months, that we, and we have 10 episodes to make, we take about a day and a half to two days to film each episode. And so you just want to span that. Obviously, you want to be there in the beginning when uh, to see the before conditions. You want to capture the key milestones, and we just sort of at this point, you know what they are. You want to see some demolition. You want to see some framing, but what we viewers really love when we turn the corner into the finishes in the last you know four or five episodes, when you know they can really enjoy things like tile and woodwork, and so we just kind of pace them out accordingly.
0: Well, um, I think my favorite scene of the entire production was the the rap scene when you were downstairs in the foyer and you got to use us as extras. So we <laughs> yeah, certainly hope that, <laughs> that makes it into the show. David Voss, Senior Producer and Director, Deb Hood Producer, thanks so much for allowing us to be part of this magical day as you wrap up another fantastic season of This Old House.
5: Thanks. It's been great having you.
0: Thanks for coming. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. We'll be back with more Old House tips after this.
4: You're in a Money Pit.
5: It is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. You can count on Thermatrue for beautiful, reliable, and easy-to-install entry doors. To learn more, visit thermatrue.com.
1: Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
0: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler,
1: and I'm Leslie Segretti. On air
0: and online at moneypit.com.
1: And while you're online at MoneyPit.com, click on the Ask Tom and Leslie icon, and you can email us your question. We're going to answer some of those right now, and we're starting with Deborah in San Francisco who writes, I live in an older home, and whenever someone flushes the toilet or turns off the sink, the pipes make such a loud banging and clanging and rattling noise that I'm afraid it's going to cause structural damage or damage to the plumbing. Should I be concerned?
0: That sounds like water hammer. And what's happening, Deborah, is as the water, which is very heavy, you know, water weighs about eight pounds per gallon, as it's flowing through your pipes, if the pipes are a little bit loose or if they aren't put in correctly and the the faucet is turned off or the valve shuts off, which is what happens when the toilet fills up, the water continues to advance and that centrifugal force, well, it shakes the pipes. And it does make a racket because, you know, if you've ever banged a pipe, that sound just ricochets throughout the entire house. The solution is really two things. First of all, all of the pipes that are accessible in the crawl space in the basement, wherever you can get access to them, they can be better secured to the floor joists above that are supporting them. And mm-hmm. secondly... With a pipe
1: clamp. Yeah, well,
0: with, uh, with pipe hangers.
1: Oh yeah, the pipe clips. They're little U-shaped pieces.
0: Yeah, they're probably loose. The second thing is that you can install what's called a water hammer arrestor, which is kind of like a shock absorber that, that absorbs the shock of the centrifugal force of that water and forces it to not rattle the pipes that much. Generally, it doesn't cause a structural problem, and most of the time it doesn't cause a plumbing problem, but it definitely is annoying. All right, we have another email here from Bob in Olathe, Kansas, who says, I'm concerned about my kitchen. Occasionally the lights dim. I can't quite figure out why. Any tips? Uh, My suspicion on that, Bob, is that in an older house... You probably have the light fixture on the same circuit as your refrigerator and when the refrigerator kicks on it pulls a lot of power that causes a voltage drop that forces the light to dim. Now in a more modern house you wouldn't have that because the lighting and the appliances would be on separate circuits but in an older house very, very typical. So the solution here is to try to install a new circuit for the refrigerator so it doesn't impact your lighting.
1: All right, now we've got one from Sue in Dallas who writes, I have a very old home and the bathroom has some tiles that need to be replaced. Unfortunately, I can't find the original tile and I'm at a loss of what to do. All right, Sue, well, if you're dealing with, say, tiles that perhaps are scattered throughout the wall that are damaged that need to come out, What you can do is you can break up the grout around the tile and then sort of chip away that one tile out of the wall. And then you can replace it with maybe a tile that looks like it would complement the design of that wall, perhaps a contrasting color or something that's tone on tone. And then remove a tile here and there to make it look like it's a pattern. If you've got them sort of in a row, then remove that whole row or whole column and change those out for decorative pieces that work. Make it really look like it's a design choice, not a mistake or something that you, Sort of thought about after the fact. If you take your time and choose the right tile, it can look fantastic.
0: You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you direct from the set of this season's This Old House project in Brooklyn, New York. The home is gorgeous, and you can see it all for yourself on air or online at thisoldhouse.com. We are just about out of time, and I see that the rap party is about to begin, and the team is standing by patiently waiting to get to that. So I can't think of a better way to end this show, Leslie, than to ask our pal Kevin O'Connor and the rest of the This Old House team to give us a traditional This Old House send-off. So, Kevin, take it away. Well, from Brooklyn, we are wrapped here. So until next time, I'm Kevin O'Connor. I'm Roger Cook. I'm Norm Abram.
1: I'm Leslie Segretti.
0: And I'm Tom Kreitler, helping you build big dreams.